I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists and art entrepreneurs. Welcome back to The Artist Business Plan. My name is James Milley, and I'm the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States. As you may know, we are also a business resource for all things art, artists, and marketing art. We are here today with Alicia Puig. Alicia is the CEO and co-founder of PXP Contemporary, director of business operations for Create Magazine, an arts writer, co-author of the book, The Complete Smartest Guide, and the guest host of the Create Podcast. She has worked in the arts industry for over 10 years, both in the US and abroad. Her writing has been featured in publications and on blogs, including Create Magazine, Picture Magazine, Art She Says, All She Makes, and Art Spiel, among others. She specializes in content creation, online sales, and digital marketing for the arts, and enjoys connecting with artists to learn about their work and help them find opportunities to advance their careers. Alicia has also been on the show before, and we always love having her back. Welcome back to the show, Alicia. Thank you so much, James. I'm excited to be back. And actually, a quick note, it's funny that you often abbreviate the podcast ABP because that's actually my initials. I go professionally by Alicia Puig, but my full name is Alicia Bonilla Puig. So (laughs) I guess it's a perfect fit that I'm a guest, right? (laughs) We have ABP here on the ABP. (laughs) Well, before we get started, Alicia, I want to ask you something to help our audience get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art And did you realize then that you would be dedicating your life to art and to artists? Ooh, I actually have not gotten this question, which is funny because as an interviewer and writer, I ask it to almost all of the artists that I um, end up featuring in the different various magazines and blogs that I write for. In Girl Scouts, I got every single art patch that I could. And then I was always the kid that got those big art kits with the crayons and the colored pencils and and all of the good stuff as like Christmas gifts and birthday gifts. I was always like that kid. I always bring this up. I'm very fortunate that my mother especially was always supportive, even though she didn't quite understand what a creative career would entail long term. She let me go on and study first graphic design in school. And then when I told her that I wanted to study art history, she was like, yeah, that's cool. And then when I changed again to fine art, she was like, okay, like as long as you know what you're doing. (laughs) Without that, I mean, I don't know if I would have had as much confidence really going for it in the early stages, but it definitely took a while for me to realize that, yes, this is what I was 100% going to fully dedicate myself to. Well, it sounds like you had a bit of proof for your your mom growing up with all those Girl Scout patches. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's that's why she kind of just put it into your own hands. But that's such a wonderful story. And if you're drawn to it over and over again, I oftentimes hear from people that they didn't know early on that they would necessarily be dedicating their life to art, but they were just always surrounded by it. It was always the thing that they were drawn to. I feel kind of similarly. I didn't know growing up that I was definitely going to have art all around me, like professionally and in my personal life. I was always drawing, I was always taking pictures, and and just that was always what attracted me. So 
I, I definitely agree with you there. Yes. So Alicia, you know, we at Superfine are obviously huge fans of your book, The Complete Smartest Guide, and it is such an excellent resource. So my question is, what prompted you and Ekaterina to write it? And can you tell us where some of the amazing advice in it came from? Yes, of course. Well, first of all, thank you guys. You've been such great supporters of the book and really from the bottom of our hearts, me and Kat, just we appreciate it so, so much. And everyone who's already bought the book and supported it or, or helped share it in some way, we really, really appreciate it. It's been doing so well and we're so proud of it and so happy that it's finally out and in people's hands and people are using it. So it's it's been a great ride <laughs> you know, since we published it and finally seeing it out there. So the story behind it is an interesting one, and it kind of goes back several years. So I will try and give you the condensed version because I could really talk about it forever. From the founding of Create Magazine, Kat always wanted it to be a platform and a space for emerging artists to have their work featured. So originally, that mission was carried out through interviews in the magazine, of course, also on the website, and social media features. But knowing us, we always want to continue to do better and to find more ways that we can serve the artist community. And so we reached out to them, Gianna. We asked, what other things are you looking for? And we also realized around this time that people were coming to us and asking kind of similar questions. How do I get my work in galleries? How do I sell my work online? How do I price my work? Kind of these basic things that you should have as an artist when you're looking to start growing your career. And we then kind of saw the opportunity to share what we had learned over the five to seven years that we had already been working in this industry. And so we branched out and wrote like one or two articles each that were more focused on career advice rather than just interviews with artists. And as soon as we posted them on our blog, they immediately became one of the top read posts on our site. We knew immediately that we had something there. And then from that, we just continued to do it. And so we tried for, I think, once a month to do a new article. And again, consistently, it just became the top red post, top red post, top red post. And so obviously, we realized that that was a great trend. We wanted to keep that going. But then we also realized, well, they're going to have all these posts, but they're kind of separate and you have to look for them. What if there was one place where people could find all of this together? And at first, it was a joke. We have written enough content, like this could be a book. And then the second time, I was like, wait, what if we did write a book? And then the third time, I was like, no, let's actually write a book. And <laughs> I mean, I have to give Kat, she's such a great motivator and she jumps into big projects without really thinking about it. Obviously, she makes them happen. So I'm not just saying that she is a big idea person and can't execute. No, on the opposite. She has huge ideas and she knows how to go after them. And so I jumped in fully with the idea with her and we self-published the first book or the first version of the book in 2019. Yeah. In January of 2019. And it really just went wild. I mean, we had no expectation at all of what would happen if it would sell. I mean, it got picked up by my modern Met. like we were featured in an article by them. We were featured in our alumni magazine with our university we saw like sold thousands of copies of it. We just couldn't believe that it happened the way that it did. But 
we were obviously very proud and very excited that it, <laughs> that it did. But then from that, because it was our initial effort and we really had no idea and no expectations going into it, what would come out of it, it was very small. It was only about 80 pages or so. And so we decided to take it off the market and take all the feedback that we had gotten, all the criticism that was really valid. And we took another year to develop it fully into the book that we really thought that needed to be out there. I mean, if you look at the other books out there, a lot of them are either more focused on mindset or very focused on career, or they come from a perspective of like an illustrator or graphic designer. There, there wasn't really something that was this mix of all of that, that really also specifically targeted people who are just starting out. So we then spent the next year writing and we launched officially in August of 2020. It's been a wild ride, but it's been going really well. And again, just so grateful that we've seen so many artists buying it and learning from it. And I guess the second half of the question then is where does the advice come from? So like I said, it's kind of the 10 years of both of our experiences. It's very personal. Both of us have done personal development in many ways, whether it's taking workshops, working with coaches, taking classes, or just on the job experience. I think something that we do that's really cool is we really share some intimate (laughs) things that happen, whether it was something, a mistake, or something we learned, or a win. And I think that's something that people have commented to us that they've enjoyed like, Oh wow, you guys are really open (laughs) about, you know, like I said, something that didn't go right or something that went unexpectedly well, maybe. So yeah, I think that one little piece really does set us apart from some of the other books and authors in in this specific category. I love that. And I, I think it really paints a picture of what an artist can expect from this book. It's, it's truly an incredible book artists out there. If you haven't already received a copy of this, you should definitely stop everything else you're doing and just buy it right now because <laughs> it's, it's so valuable. We're going to be talking a little bit more about you know some of the specific advice that's in the book, but I wanted to key in really quickly on something that you were telling as you were talking about the story of how you created this book that I think applies really well to artists is how you were collecting all of this feedback over time. It was sort of you know, this culmination of your experiences and then also what you've heard from artists about what they want to be hearing, what they want to be learning from. You know, before when you were doing the artist interviews, you then heard feedback that artists really want advice on how to improve part of their career or level up their business. And then once you created the shorter 80-page version of the book, then you had all of this additional feedback and that's how you evolved the book from there. And I think this applies really well to artists. You know, if you are receiving some positive feedback about your art, but you're wondering what the next step is, the next step might be, you know, talking to your biggest supporters and seeing what they think, because, you know, if they're looking at your art, they might be having conversations with other people about, oh, you know, I love XYZ artists are curious why they do this. I've always thought about buying this piece from them, but it's just too expensive or it's, not expensive enough. I don't know. Um, But I would totally recommend to artists to take a moment and just collect the thoughts from the people around you as you're leveling up your art the same way that Alicia and Kat leveled up interviews to a short book to a massive book, (laughs) valuable book. 
that's how it goes. And then, you know, that combined with just 10 years of experience, I mean, you can't make that up. So I love that. (laughs) Thank you. So Alicia, moving on, as a content creation specialist, how can artists advance their digital marketing to boost their content and sales? My best advice for someone starting out is really to pick one or at least to start with just one, because ideally over time, you know, you would build up this really professional and easy to use website. You would learn a little bit about SEO, both for web and social so that you're optimizing every funnel to bring in people to your work. You would get or become more knowledgeable about email marketing and you would um, learn about how to really send great newsletters that get people to engage with your content. You would also learn about social media and you would have at least one to two platforms that you're pretty savvy with and you know how to engage your your community in that way. But I just mentioned like five different things, right? So when you're starting and that's out, not even it. <laughs> it's almost impossible to be great at all of them at once. Any of those that I mentioned can make such a big impact if you're really good at it. You know, if you're really good at social, then you can, you know, really build your audience, get followers, and those people eventually translate to buyers. If you're really good at email, you know, you can get people to convert. If you send things that are interesting, then they're going to click on them, they're going to get to your website, and eventually they're going to buy. If you have a really strong website, again, (laughs) you have really nice images. If you know how to present your story, if you make it super easy for them to contact you or to buy your work directly, you're going to make sales. So all of them can work for you. You just have to focus on one. But the other side of this is actually what you were just talking about. You have to know who is your audience. Because if you don't know who your audience is, you're just going to be putting out a random message that won't literally land with anyone, or you're just kind of hoping that it will land. When if you just do the research beforehand and kind of see who's already in your orbit, you can then really target your messages to them. And that will not only help with your conversions, but it just makes everything so much more streamlined and easier for you. You know, that helps you know what kind of content to create. And it can actually even work backwards and tell you which type of marketing you should concentrate on first. You know, if your audience tends to be maybe older, then you might want to work on Facebook. If your audience is super young, then you might be on Instagram or TikTok. Or if you know your audience is really into using more desktop, then you might do email or, you know what I mean? It's all these things that doesn't take that much time upfront. Like if you just kind of do a little research, then it can really help you on the back end and save you time. (laughs) Absolutely. And I know that's something that we've talked about before, Alicia, like I feel like every time I'm talking to you, there's sort of a new project that you're delving into and getting really excited about. I think last time we were talking, you had recently done that email newsletter gatherer where you had an incentive for people to sign up for PXP's mailing list and it worked incredibly well. But that was a focus at that point. There's this sense of discovery, you know, having that curiosity for how to improve your business and just do one new thing and seeing how that one new thing makes a positive impact instead of just feeling overwhelmed. And there's always new things too. So you're looking and you're kind of like, oh my God, I have to do all these things. And there's new things I've never heard of. Like what's this new social media platform? What's this new like business manager changed their platform. Now I don't know how to use it. Take a step back, 
I like to say if you're doing nothing, doing anything is better than doing nothing. So start with one thing. And absolutely what you said as well, anything that you're going to be doing, it's going to be easier. It's going to be more efficient. It's going to be more effective if you know who your audience is first. So I think you and I can agree, Elisa, step one is discover something about your audience, you know, learn what are their preferences, what is their age range, and some details about them where you can make some educated decisions on where you're going to be reaching them, how you're going to be reaching them, and so forth. And then from there, just discover and try out one new thing to improve your your digital marketing and go from there. You summarized it perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously we know now that you're an online powerhouse, Alicia. <laughs> so you have an arm in so many different areas of the art world, uh, websites, writing, consulting, counseling, curating, and even more. How have all these skills factored into the way that you market yourself and help others market themselves? You know, it's funny because I never expected this to be my area of expertise. You know, it's not like I set out to become good at online marketing for art. When I started my career, I I originally started as a fine artist and then I transitioned into working in the gallery world. And each progressive job that I took, it would teach me something. And then I realized that skills that I learned in one job seemed to transfer to the next one, no matter what it was. You know, I went from gallery work to working in an auction house, but in an e-commerce and online. I mean, all these things looking back kind of do form somewhat of a, of a trajectory, but at the time it still felt like I was bouncing around all over the place. So it's funny that now looking back in hindsight, I see I'm able to see more of the trajectory and more of how it all worked together. But again, as I was going through it, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, but now it's great because I'm able to use all of that knowledge that I've culled from all these different sources to then support the gallery PXP, to support the book and to support all of the other projects that I'm doing. So I guess the lesson from that is really to use your strengths and to play to them. You know, I am right now, I focus a lot of my marketing efforts with, like I said, email mainly and social media. I ran my own social media side business for two years. So, you know, these are the things that I know really well, and I know that I can make them work effectively for me. So those are what I spend most of my time with. You know, I'm not going to be on a new social media platform that I don't know that well. I'm not going to try and jump into ads on yeah, something that I've never tried before. Like it, it just makes sense. But I think sometimes maybe it's like shiny object syndrome where you just want to try the next big thing because everyone else is doing it. But like emails might seem outdated to some people, but they are so important. So do not discount something like that just because everyone's on TikTok now, you know, like really try and use your strengths. Like I was also interviewing an artist the other day who had a background in design. And so she can make these really beautiful graphics. And like, that's something that she can incorporate into her marketing. And that's not really my strength. I, I think I, I get by, I do enough designing that I can put together something quick that looks fine, but I definitely rely on a professional designer if I want to do something you know, bigger. But if that's something that you know how to do, then use that. The same thing, if you're a little more extroverted, maybe your talent is that you are good at making videos where you talk to your audience directly, you share it in stories, or you're good at networking. I mean, one thing that's also been good for me is that 
I also have this side career as a writer or a parallel career, I guess I should say. And so that helps me, you know, write my captions, write interesting copy for newsletters, and I can change my tone of voice to fit also the platform that I'm using. So um, that is something that you definitely see in a lot of my marketing is that I rely on, on my writing skills. So yeah, again, I think that's really the one thing to take away in how I market myself and how I guide others to market themselves is like, what is your strength? Hone in on that and use it. I think that's so true. I mean, really, there's no right answer. It's focusing on what your strengths are. So, you know, your strengths are email marketing, someone else's might be videos, whatever it is. I mean, just just hone in on that and don't try to do something else just because everyone else is. The other thing I wanted to mention was when you were talking about how all of your skills were, you know, a culmination of these different jobs that you had, these different paths, so to speak. For any artists out there who have a job that isn't being a full-time artist and they're concerned about the switch or the partial switch to becoming more of a full-time artist, the skills that you've developed, um, besides literally just making art, those transfer. It's not just starting from scratch when you're doing that. I mean, that's something that I've totally discovered as well. And my partner, Alex, you know, as we're transitioning into to new careers or, or adding new businesses on what we do in life. It's not like resetting the clock five years back and, and starting all over. I mean, it's, it, it's a building act. Yeah. It's weird, especially because like gently like big picture thinking, yes, I worked in a gallery, an auction house, a museum, whatever. But if you actually look at the jobs that I did within them, they were quite different. Like it went from e-commerce to marketing, to social media, to different thing like <laughs> just different things so it's it's interesting that eventually that they all tied together but even if it's not something are related you can absolutely find skills that are transferable and like i said use them so <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well this kind of leads into the next question as well one of the i don't know most dangerous things that an artist can have is a starving artist mentality and i know that so, I mean, so many artists out there already are very business focused and they're, they're gung ho about taking the steps to, to improve their art career. But, you know, there's also so many artists that just they're thinking, oh, no, I'm an artist. So I'm always going to be starving. I'm, I'm never going to succeed. So Alicia, what is the first step for an emerging artist to go from starving artist to being a smartest, as you would say, uh, and a thriving creative entrepreneur. You know, actually, I want to talk about smartest for a second because <laughs> so that actually comes from me and from my side because my mom always used to call me the ner her nerd artist growing up. So um, we coined the term smartest and used it for the book. And at first, people were so thrown off, like I don't understand what what is this word? Like it would come up as a you know typo every time we tried to type it in anywhere. And we had a review of our first book. It was like one really horrible review. <laughs> It's like the silliest thing. She made this woman made a 10 minute video about how she, how much she hated our first book. If you really want to go watch it, it's quite funny. How do you make 10 minutes out of an 80 page book? Like she, she tried to get mad at us over the really the craziest things. And one of them was that smartest wasn't even a real word. I'm like, yes, we are aware of that. 
Um, I think the second time around, people have kind of embraced the term smartest and kind of understand that the meaning behind it is, yeah, we want you to not be in the starving mindset. We want you to be in this mindset of, you know, you're savvy, you are smart, you know what you're doing and you're going after it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we stuck with it, even though some people were not on board at the beginning. I just want to, you know, refer to all artists as smartest. <laughs> yeah, right. It's fun. And it's also fun. Like, I think that was totally lost on some people. Come on, let's just like be lighthearted. It's yeah, not a real word, but it's a cool word. So we're creative anyway. <laughs> people here. We're making up words. Yeah. It's okay. Relax. <laughs> so, okay. I will answer the question. I'm so glad you brought up mindset though, because I was actually going to say, I will give you two, because I will give you one mindset and one action. So my mindset one is along the lines of what you're saying. I want people to stop waiting to be discovered. I think that is one of the biggest things that holds so many artists back. I really still see this day, 2021, people who expect a gallery to come save them, who expect a curator to come knocking at their door, who expect an email from a writer saying that you know they want to come feature them. And okay, yes, that does happen. That absolutely can happen. However, you have a much better chance of that happen if you are going after it yourself. So do not be afraid to pitch people. Do not be afraid to reach out to people. This is your time to step up, show up, and put your work out there. I mean, I did not get to where I am today by sitting around and waiting. I just simply did not. There were so many times where I reached out via email, where I networked in person. I mean, my book shares an example of a friend of mine went went to an opening with me and he literally pushed me in front of someone so that I would go and talk to them. I was like, <laughs> and he, you know, he pushed me. So I had no choice. I was right there in front of her and I had to say hi, you know, and start the conversation. So you really just have to get out there because it can happen, but it's much less likely to happen un- unless you're putting yourself out there first. And then the action step, I think maybe is, I mean, I'm always a big, like, practical one. So I always say, have a nice website, have your good photography, da, da, da. But I think before that even, write down your goals for this year. I say that because for a long time, I did not do that. And when I started doing that, it made a huge difference for me. I think even if you have in your mind, you know, I want to be selling more, or I want to be making more money, or I want to be showing with the gallery, or you know, these ideas, you have them in your head, but when you write them down, it just really helps you plan things a lot better. <laughs> and it also reminds you of things you have to do. It also helps you realize things you might not have to do or that are less important. And when you write down your goals, be very, very specific. I think that's another thing that I was also not doing for a long time. And once you start being specific, once you start writing them down and also giving yourself timelines, like ideal timelines that you would have these goals completed by. One of my goals was to be featured, to get 10 media features. 10 seemed like a huge number at the beginning of the year. It was very quiet. But then as soon as I wrote it down, I started pitching, I started reaching out to people and they just kind of happened in a wave. Then suddenly it was like another one and another one and podcasts and magazines and blogs. And by the end of the year, I'd beaten that goal by a lot enough that I was like, okay, I think I'm good for a while. <laughs> and I also even was able to hire on someone to help me do PR. So it, it's just, it takes on a life of its own when you just get really, really specific about it. Artists, be a smartest and 
write down really specific goals that you have. I think that also then connects really well into the first thing that you said. And, you know, even if, you know, a gallery does end up representing you, wouldn't you feel better about it if you came to them and they're like honored to be representing you instead of, you know, they're saving you from a life of of not being successful with your art. I mean, you're just going to feel so much better. So Alicia, you have created an amazing artistic community through Create Magazine. What are some ways that artists can connect in the community and use Instagram as a networking tool? I do get this question a lot. And first, I would like to say I'm so happy that you're calling it a networking tool because yes. people forget <laughs> that that is actually what it can be for artists. Unfortunately, the way many artists use Instagram, it's just leading them to dealing with imposter syndrome, to fighting the comparison game, and just in general, a lot of negativity. And I know that there are a lot of bigger topics and you know there's politics and there's environmental issues and there's lots of other things on social media and your life you know your life is also on there too if you have your personal account as well it's hard sometimes to not let that all get intertwined but do try and separate it do try and remember that at least on your separate art account which you should have a separate art account for sure um, (laughs) try and remember that it's just a tool do not get sucked into the numbers and the likes and and all that stuff that just again gets artists into this spiraling of of negativity it it doesn't help you know it it really just it kind of breaks my heart to see that because you know they just they get really sucked into it and it takes away from all the beautiful things about art about the creativity and, and about their story so um i'd say kind of three things to think about when talking about social media most important, use it to build your community. So that's why it kills me to see people focused so much on the numbers because it should be about the quality of your followers and not the quantity. I will say this, it does help having 10,000 because that swipe up link is, is helpful. But even before that, you can easily just tell people, go to my link in bio and Sounds annoying to have to do that over and over and over again, but people get it, okay? <laughs> so you can yeah. get around that until you get to 10,000. And even before that, even before 10,000, you can swipe up to product links. So make sure you get your art as products and then you can put links that way as well. But yes, use it to build your community, really use it to connect with like-minded people. And that will really help build you up too. You know, you'll find people that are generally interested in your art. That'll help you help motivate you to keep going. And second, kind of along those lines, Use it to also follow those who you're generally interested in. You know, being a friendly follower always works out. You know, someone who you've been following for some time might have an opportunity that comes up and either they're not the right fit for it or they're allowed to invite people. And if you're a friendly follower and they see your work too, they can invite you. Like I've seen so many things come up. And actually, I was recently given a curatorial opportunity exactly because of that. I followed this curator. I've been in touch with her for some some time just on Instagram, never met her in person, and I invited her to do something. And then a while later, this other opportunity came up and she invited me to be a part of it too. So it is really, again, about just making these genuine connections and eventually they can really work out in your favor. And then finally, yes, you can directly reach out, DM curators, writers, galleries, whatever, brands even if you want to do collaborations but 
I will caveat this <laughs> because <laughs> this sometimes can be a really like a pain point for me because I am still very much and maybe I'm old school now, which seems crazy because I'm still quite young, but um I still like emails, okay? I still really prefer emails. I just think it's that extra step that you went on the website and you looked for their email and you found their name and something about them. But I understand not everyone has their email present. So if this is the only way to connect with them, just please keep it professional. Make almost like a mini letter, have a greeting, have um, the important work in the body of your message, tell them about your work, give them a link or tell them to look at your work on, on whatever platform it is and sign off in a nice way. <laughs> I literally got a message yesterday that, or not yesterday, recently that said, I want to sell my work. That's it. There was no links to a website. There was no links to work. I mean, they didn't even tell me I'm an artist. You know, <laughs> I want, to, hi, Alicia, I want to sell my work. And that means that it's left to me to infer that they looked at my gallery, they think they're a fit, that they're an artist, and that they have work that they want to sell. Like all of this information that I, it's an, the burden is then put on me to figure that out and to go out of my way to look at what they're doing. When in reality, if they're, they're technically pitching me, they should be the ones who are looking up me or researching what I do and telling me why they're a good fit, not me doing the other way around. So, I mean, it's crazy to me that people think they can get away with that, that like just sending me a one line DM is going to, that I'm going to respond positively like, yeah, sure. Like, no, <laughs> you have to put a bit of effort, you know, if, especially if it's a DM, just make sure it's really clean, concise, professional, and the other reason that I caution against DMs is because the first place they're going to go to is that social profile. And unless that profile is really well done, that can actually be a detriment to you. You know, if you have a really solid website that has all of your images, that has your resume, your statement, bio, all of that all ready to go, then I would really urge you to get that curator or that person to look there first, which you can do by, of course, just adding a link. But it's easier done by email, I think. Whereas on social media, if they're jumping to your profile first, they're not going to see any of those things. Like, yeah, they'll see images, but they can't tell what's sold and not sold. They can't tell what kind of price range your work is selling unless you put that on your post directly, which some artists do, some don't. Again, they're not going to see your bio, your your statement. They're not going to see all this information. And so, you know, you just kind of have to hope that they get interested enough from what you have there to continue to keep looking. So that's why I'm still kind of iffy about the DMs thing, but I, but I get it. I get it. There are some curators that are totally cool with it. They encourage it. Try and do your best to, to see if the person you're reaching out to is okay with it. Otherwise, I really still recommend emails. So call me old school, but that's me. You know, if you are going to ultimately be DMing the person keep it professional, keep it respectful, and make the job for the person you're reaching out to easy. Do that extra effort so it's plug and play for them. It's mm -hmm. easy. And all they have to do is click a link and they know exactly what you're reaching out about and you've given them the answers. That's how it's going to be best if you are DMing them. But you know, like we're talking about, Instagram, it is a networking tool, which Alicia and I both agree on. <laughs> so it's a place to be social. That's why it's called social media. So 
follow other people, comment on their things. Don't always make it centered to you because you're going to have better results. You'll ultimately end up having more people interested in what you do if you're being social with them. Again, if you're choosing, if the thing that you want to do to build your art career is be on a social media platform, if that's the route that you want to be going to build yourself up. Mm -hmm. Alicia, what is one more top word of advice that you have for an artist out there who is making art their business? Sure. So I read something recently on Instagram that I'd like to share because I think it's very appropriate to end this episode with. And it reads, consistency is harder when no one is clapping for you. You must clap for yourself during these times. You should always be your biggest fan. So to me, this brings up a few different things. First, that consistency is absolutely crucial. And I think this is very appropriate for our artists, especially those just starting out because you are really gunning for success, whether it's through sales or you want a bigger following or whatever it is. And when you don't get that right away, it can be really frustrating. And you might think that you're on the verge of quitting, but I really encourage you to stick it out. I mean, if you already have the book or you're getting it and you start to read it, you'll realize that both Kat and I went through so many periods of getting a lot of rejection and having to deal with that or things not going our way, but we kept pushing forward. And that is ultimately what finally got us to where we are. Yeah. There are just so many instances of that. I think another thing it brings up that is tied to that is just resilience and perseverance. So definitely try and make those some traits that, that are things that you, um, bring into your practice um, because it's just going to benefit you a lot if you're able to brush things off. Um, It is, of course, hard to deal with rejections or a sale not happening or whatever it is, but if you just keep going at it, it'll eventually go your way. And then finally, having confidence in your work. Now, I think this can be a touchy subject sometimes for people because they just see maybe others promoting themselves and they think, oh, doesn't that feel icky if you're constantly saying, oh, look at me, look at me and look what, I, look what I've done. But I've learned so many lessons about this because there have been instances where I just thought keeping my head down, doing the work would get me recognized. But as I mentioned earlier, you really have to be the one putting yourself out there and telling everyone else what you're doing. Otherwise, they won't know. I mean, it just, when you say it like that, it makes a lot more sense. You know, people will literally not know what's going on or what you're doing if you don't tell them. But for some reason, it's a sticking point for artists and especially women artists. So absolutely do not be afraid to share not just what you're doing, but all of your accomplishments, all of the things that you are working on because people need to know. And I guess my last word or last piece of advice within that is is that your work has value and that's something to remember. And yeah, I think those those are my final parting <laughs> parting words. I love it. Seriously, artists out there, your work has value. Clap for yourself even if no one else is clapping for you. <laughs> Con- consistency is, you know, going to get you where you need to be and just not losing faith in yourself as you keep going. Alicia, I think that's so well put. To all of you business artists out there, Alicia's been here giving you the inside scoop on how to take your art career to the next level. Uh, And you're going to want to check out our show notes. You've got to get yourself a copy of The Smartest Guide if you don't already have it. That way you can be an official smartest. If you want to connect with Alicia, you can follow her at Picks. That will be in the show notes. That is her personal page. 
Um, you can also follow at PXP Contemporary and at Create Magazine on Instagram. All three of those are Instagram. Or you can visit www.aliciapuig.com or pxpcontemporary.com. There are so many ways to connect with Alicia. <laughs> Again, she wears many hats. She is such a cool person. And yeah, just reach out. As always, remember that we are at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. And if you want to give us a quick hello or learn about how to apply for an exhibit at one of our upcoming fairs around the United States, just drop us a line at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. Once again, that is artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. And lastly, I'd like to end the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. And the quote is, whether you succeed or not is irrelevant. There is no such thing. Making your unknown known is the important thing. That is Georgia O'Keeffe. And that basically has the same sentiment as your last word of advice, Alicia. Alicia, it's been such a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was really fun. And I love that quote too. So everyone have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. We've been loving your feedback and are so glad that you are finding the podcast helpful. If you have a spare minute, we would love if you reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the Artist Business Plan. It really helps other artists discover the podcast who are also looking to level up their careers. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.